Side Hustle Show 335, the six-figure pivot, taking a service business from one-to-one to one-to-many, or how a personal trainer found an entirely new audience to serve. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because you're really only ever racing against yourself. Those were some words of wisdom from my dad back in my swim team days. Look, you can't control what the guy in the next lane over is going to do, but if you go out and beat your own previous personal best, that's a good race. Chris Ritter from RitterSP.com has got me excited about swimming again, and on top of that, he's got a really cool side hustle story to share. Chris had a background in swimming. He called himself the worst swimmer on a championship team. He was coaching swimming. And he actually was working with some pretty high-level athletes and doing personal training. His personal training was niched down to strength training for swimmers. Stick around in this episode to hear how Chris's efforts to get more personal training clients flopped miserably, but how that opened the door to an entirely new business model serving swim coaches. Listen in for the tactics and ideas you can apply to your own side hustle because this is one that's ripe for replication across different niches. It's a story about leveling up your reach and impact and income and evidence that opportunities start to appear once you're in motion. Notes and links for this episode, plus the free PDF highlight reel with all of Chris's top tips from the call are at sidehustlenation.com swim. Now, whether you're helping swimmers get stronger or providing some other type of service, you're going to need a reliable and professional way to get paid. One tool that helps me do just that is our sponsor, FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is the number one invoicing and accounting software designed specifically for side hustlers, freelancers, and consultants. Trusted by 24 million customers, this is the service I use when I need to invoice clients or advertisers, and I've been a customer for years. Side Hustle Show listeners can try it free for 30 days, no catch, no credit card required. Visit freshbooks.com slash side hustle and enter the Side Hustle Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section to get started today. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this call with Chris after the interview. Ready? Let's do it. And I started training some guys in person and one guy joined us one day and he's like, Chris, I love what you do, but I travel all the time. How can you help me keep getting better as a swimmer? And he was 70 years old. He's a CEO traveling around the world all the time. My spidey business senses went up and said, hmm, you like what I do. You have money, obviously, and maybe I could figure something out here and we could get something to work. And so it took me a month or two, and this was back in 2010, 2011, where I figured out, okay, I'll set up a, at that time, it was just a private YouTube channel and sending him PDF workouts. And he loved it. And it just kept progressing from there. And here we are a lot of years later after that. Okay, so that was kind of the first thing on the side. The the personal training for this Olympic training team in the Carolinas, that was the main gig. That was the day job. And then, hey, can I work with you individually? Can I work with you online? That was kind of the start of the side hustle. Yeah, and so I would I would come in super early and train those guys either before the swimmers were training or after, you know, at night. And so just extending my day even more. <laughs> so yeah, so it was it was the the side hustle in the very early or very late hours of the day. Okay, okay. Was it just this one gentleman who was the online client, or did you have others? Yeah, so it just started with him, and it was him for a first few months because 
honestly, I didn't even think of this as a, a huge business that was going to grow into anything, right? It was just, okay, this guy really likes what I'm doing. He's going to pay me a good amount of money for what I think I'm, I'm doing time-wise comparatively to how often I was on the gym floor, so to speak, training clients and still charging a, a pretty decent rate. But the online rate made it a lot more enticing because I felt like I could leverage my time even more because I didn't have to stand and count every rep. I just had to program and communicate with him. And so, yeah, it was a long time before I got more clients and, and it was just word of mouth, but then it just kept spreading through the master's community of, hey, are you working with Chris? And it just kind of went from there. Was there anything else to market that leg of the business or just the word of mouth started to spread in the master's community? Yeah, so it was word of mouth, and I figured, well, I need a website. So I basically taught myself how to do WordPress and had a buddy of mine help me kind of get it up. And then I learned WordPress and kind of edited and and made it better. And so that was three website versions ago <laughs> that where I did the first one. And I think at that point, all I was, all I was thinking of was, I just got to write a lot of blogs, right? I just need to keep writing blogs. So I did that, but it, it it never really got me clients. I think it helped, though, reach out into the community and just educate people about me. But it, it never really saw a direct return from you know me posting blogs back in 2010, 2011 to actually getting more clients on board. Were you getting traffic to those posts? Maybe 50. I don't know, maybe 100. I don't even know if I had Google Analytics set up at that point with the, with the website. Yeah, so who knows? Maybe... <laughs> Maybe there are thousands of people reading and definitely not responding, which would have been even worse. But yeah, I, I doubt there was a lot of traffic. Okay, fair enough. But I was practicing WordPress, I was practicing creating content online, practicing writing, all that stuff. So word starts to spread. Hey, you got to start working with Chris. I'm seeing some great results from his program. What happens next? At that point, I thought, well, man, maybe I should do more to expand what I could do in person. And so that led for me moving across the country to Portland, Oregon, and, and being really close to starting to get my doctorate in chiropractic. And I thought that would be a great kind of overview of sports medicine. I could have this huge hub. But I get out there, and I did the school tour and everything. And I get to the point where I'm thinking, gosh, I'm going to sink a quarter of a million dollars into this education. And I'm going to come out, and I'm going to have the exact same problem I have now, which is I need more clients. So maybe we should just build up more clients now <laughs> in, in my training business online and in person before I go expand my, my debt load. And even if it brings me more tools in my toolbox, so to speak, I'm going to have the exact same problem coming out of college with a degree. And so I spent that time actually shadowing a lot of chiropractors, seeing how they ran their business. And there was one in particular who said, you have to remember that time is your most valuable asset. And I really hung on to that. And that was even years before I really dove into the online business. But he just talked about how he had set up an obviously chiropractic in-person experience on an online. And he talked about how he had set up his practice to make sure it was leveraging his time and that he could build a lifestyle that he wanted. And that really resonated with me as opposed to just making as much money as you possibly could. And who cares what your personal life or what your day-to-day -day schedule looks like? Sure, because even in personal training, yeah, you can make it to 100 bucks an hour, you're doing great, but it's still you know, trading time for money. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a grind too, you know, being on, so to speak, for who knows, six, eight, 10, 12 hours a day. And so at that point, I said, okay, well, all I hear about is these ebooks. So I decided, okay, I'll just put everything I know about strength training for swimming into an ebook. And I think it ended up being like 100 pages of just everything I knew, I tried to like lay it out. It took months to, to figure out. And I was like, okay, 
I'm going to sell this for $9.99. <laughs> I had to figure out how to how to format the ebook so the links would work, so maybe I could get some traffic back to my site. You know, even how to set up PayPal and all that stuff. That it was it was a lot harder back then than it is now, just to be even able to get to that step. Did anybody buy it? Yeah, actually, I mean, there were a couple of uh, purchases and a couple of them ended up turning into clients because they would reach out to me and say, Chris, this is great. I've never heard someone explain why strength training can impact my swimming so much. So that made me feel good that, okay, I at least kind of know what I'm talking about here. The other people that I've never met are responding to how I'm trying to lay out why this is a good service. And then the fact that some of them are actually then turning into clients. So that actually converted way better than the blogs, but it was still very much a trickle, one or two here over the span of a, a few months. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm not really sure what's next. I guess I just keep training these people, keep training in person. And one thing led to another, moved back to the East Coast in uh, Charlotte and started setting up another gym in person. I was like, okay, you know, I'm just going to do the same thing that I did back on the West Coast, just ramp it up both in person and online. And was growing it. I was even getting coaches to take over the classes in person. And then I started hearing about these things, online summits. And at the time, I was really hustling too, because when you open up a new gym, you have lots of overhead of equipment costs and stuff like that. And so I was hustling. I was doing these side jobs on my side job. I was doing pedicabbing. I was delivering pizzas sometimes, like just to get extra cash to be able to afford the equipment to outfit the gym. And I remember one point I got a notification during one of those crazy shifts of the other side job, like the pedicab or the pizza delivery. I don't even remember. And I saw I'd sold an ebook and I was thinking, gosh, why can't I just make more of those happen? Like, that's just, <laughs> that's so great, right? Like it sells for this $9. Was the $10. Yeah. Yeah. $10 ebook. Yeah. It was on your own site or on Amazon. It, it was on my site. Yeah. So it was directly on my site. But thinking like, heck, that's a really good tip as a pizza delivery guy, right? Or as a pedicab, get <laughs> a good ride. Like it's so thinking, gosh, if I could just make more of those happen, how can I make it happen? But I just didn't know how. How do I get more traffic or how do I get more sales? And it was just really frustrating to be stuck and knowing that I know it's not about the content or about my knowledge because people respond to that. And I'm getting clients from it and they're saying that's the best experience ever. And so that's why I started diving into, I was hearing about these online summits that you could host where basically you'd put out the content for free for 24, 48 hours and then at the end, they could buy a lifetime access pass. And I thought, man, that could be a great way to market and promote what I'm doing. I could get all the big names in swimming because I had pretty good connections, or I could at least hustle and try to make something happen. And my vision was, okay, I'm going to get all these great speakers, Olympic swimmers, coaches, and get them here on this summit. We're going to call it the Global Swimming Summit. And all these people are going to attend, and I'm going to get all these online clients from it. And it's going to be amazing. So I just put my head down for a few months and put all my effort into that, hoping it was going to pay off. Okay. How did you get all these big names to agree to the summit? Yeah. So I started off small at first. So my college coach was pretty well known in the swimming community. And I had done swim camps with a couple other Olympic coaches. And so I at least had, you know, their email or they knew my name. And so I reached out to them first and figured, okay, if I can get at least a few kind of notable names on, then when I reach out to more people that I don't have a relationship with, I can show them, hey, well, I have these guys and you know they're pretty well known. Do you want to join? And hopefully it would just kind of be a positive snowball effect where they're seeing, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so, they're pretty good. I, I guess I want to get on board with this. Okay. And like trading up the chain as it were. Yeah. And before at that point, I wasn't really collecting emails or anything like that. I think I had maybe a thousand emails on my list and I don't even know how I got them at that point if it was that high. 
So I thought, well, okay, I don't have a lot to market it myself or my audience. So how am I going to do it? And so then I went to companies and basically said, hey, I'll promote you for free. I'll put logo on the site, Global Swimming Summit, logo in your in our emails that we're going to send out about each day, who's going to be on the summit in exchange for, can you just email out to your list one time advertising the summit? I ended up getting about 20 companies to agree to it. And I think it was close to their combined email list was somewhere between a quarter and half a million subscribers. So I felt like, okay, at least that's pretty good, right? <laughs> at least I was able to kind of leverage and just hustle out there and get some other companies to agree, hey, I don't know who this kid is, but you know, this sounds like a pretty cool event. Maybe we should be a part of it. Well, that is a genius idea. We, we should pause right there and, and mention how cool that is. So, so you reach out to the companies, essentially like you can be a sponsor of this event for free in exchange for the Global Swimming Summit, right? It sounds huge in exchange for promoting it to your audience. So you didn't have a huge audience of your own. You not necessarily want to rely on your guests to promote it, which is the traditional virtual summit model where it's like, okay, I'm going to invite 20 famous people on. They're going to email everybody. We can cross promote. We can share this audience. But instead saying, well, with these 20 companies on board, quarter million different subscribers are going to get exposed to this. That's really, really cool. Yeah. And there's definitely a lot of no's going through that to get to those 20 or so yeses that we landed on. <laughs> but I go back to those side hustle jobs I was doing before to get money for the equipment like the pedicab is interesting. I only did the pedicab for a few weeks, maybe a, a few months. And you know, it was only like on the weekends, the busy times where you could take people around, you know, bar to bar or whatever. And I felt like I learned a lot in just if you're always moving, you end up getting more rides. And so I just kept thinking about that, like, as I'm putting the summit stuff together, like, I just got to keep moving, like energy creates momentum, which creates energy. And you just like, it's a positive effect. And the other thing about just engaging people, so asking them like, hey, do you want to ride? Where are you going? And kind of relaying that as much as I can back into what's the harm in calling up some company trying to talk up this event? If they say no, so what? I'll go on to the next one. But a lot of times I would get at least conversations. And the hardest part was just understanding who to talk to, who's who's actually going to say yes or has the authority to say yes. That was usually what took most of the time is kind of figure out in the organization who am I going to target that's actually going to listen to me and then has the authority to sign off on something like this. How did you figure out who to call? A lot of the companies, at least are in the swimming world, were pretty small. And so you could either go on the website and figure it out <laughs> or, you know, scour LinkedIn and kind of see, okay, that well, there's only two people. So <laughs> chances are, are pretty good. I'm going to get one of them, right? And so, yeah, I think it was just a lot of just trial and error. And it goes back to just, I was so determined to make this event happen. And I felt like if I did, it was going to be a success and lead to all these online clients that I was just like totally focused on it and going to make it happen no matter what. Okay, so you just call up the generic number and say, like, Bob Smith, please. Or find emails and just at least be able to email them, hey, guys, I have the Global Swimming Summit coming up the first annual. Here's the list of names. And most of the time, that would be like, oh, well, how'd you get all these guys? And so then it it goes back to starting off small with the speakers, building up a big list that's pretty impressive, and then being able to relay it to the company so that they see, oh, this is actually like really legit, and we could be a part of something like this for free. So this is 2016, the summit is going on? Yeah, January of 2016 is when the Global Swimming Summit officially launched for, I think it, it spanned about seven, seven or eight days. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. 
Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. ANDS.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, cool. How many people did you have registered to watch for free? Yeah, so we ended up getting over 3,000 email subscribers to register within just a, a few days of that. And I was like so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, this is working. <laughs> this, is, this is great. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, people are talking about it on social media. Most of the presenters were even promoting it. It seemed like a lot of the emails had gone out, obviously, from the companies. Because you never know, too, right? Like, they could just say yes. And, <laughs> and, and sometimes you feel like, you know, I don't really know if they're going to send it out or not. Did you provide them, like, a template copy? Like, here's what you could send? Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, I basically like put all this stuff in a Dropbox. I even made like pre-made tweets for the speakers or companies to just put out, tagging us, going back. Like, yeah, I did all this legwork and would just put in a Dropbox and gave them the link. So all they had to do is basically come in, copy, paste, and try to make it as easy as possible for them to just be able to share and and grow the summit. Yeah, lots of work up front, but 3,000 registrations from starting from an email list of 1,000 is a pretty significant bump in exposure. Yeah, yeah. And we ended up having over just about 100 people bought the VIP, as we termed it, which is basically the lifetime access. And that was close to generating about $8,000 in just a few days. And you know that was more money than I'd made, <laughs> I think, in a few months of coaching, right? <laughs> Added up together. And so I was like, wow, this is incredible. Although you got a few months of work into it. Right, yes, yeah. But the weirdest part was, so, okay, that was so successful, but I didn't get a single online client out of it. So I was just like, it was the weirdest feeling ever. I felt like, okay, that was a huge failure because I didn't do my goal of trying to get new online clients. 
but I got all these new subscribers and I made a, a ton of money. And so I was just like, kind of like, what do I do with this? <laughs> what's, what's next here? And so I went back and I looked at who had bought and it was all these swim coaches were the ones that showed up to the summit and purchased. And so I was like, hmm, again, not real high level business skills here, but just thinking, okay, these guys showed up, they sought me out. It wasn't like I was even trying to target them in advertising, but they obviously showed up, they enjoyed it so much that they bought. And how did you know they were swim coaches? Could you just tell by their... Oh, you could tell in the email. Yeah, most swim coaches will have like coach in their email <laughs> or, or it'll be at, you know, swim team or whatever. Yeah, it, it's not hard to figure out, especially if you're in the swimming world. <laughs> okay, so all these coaches buy and you're like, well, that is an interesting <laughs> like demographic. So what happens after that? actually went back to a conversation I had with, I was able to get Michael Phelps's swim coach on, longtime swim coach Bob Bowman on the summit. And it was actually during one of his conversations with me for the summit presentation that we did, where he talked about in 1988 or something, he subscribed via snail mail to this one very famous coach at the time. And this coach would mail him paper workouts once a month or once a week, something like that for a year so he could just see, oh, how is he training throughout the year? How is it changing? And he talked about how that really impacted his coaching development. And I was like, God, it's in the 1980s. Why is there not something now when we have the internet and we're able to do something like this? And so I, I kind of put that idea together with, okay, all these coaches showed up. Obviously, they want more education. They want more interaction with coaches. They want to see what other people are doing. And before the summit, I had kind of relaunched my podcast, which before that was really nothing to talk about. It was just me monologuing half the time and had a coach on or here, and it just wasn't planned or good. And I'd kind of revamped the podcast to spread off to the summit. And I thought, well, if I could get a coach to come on to basically a podcast and talk about their workouts once a week for four weeks, now I have a month's worth of workouts. And what if I just changed it up? So we had a new coach every month. And I was like, huh, that sounds like it would work to me. And so I go back, I talk to some of my coaching buddies and who I thought would say yes is like the first couple of guests just to get it going. And so a month after the summit, I email out to all the coaches and say, hey guys, this is what I'm doing. Do any of you want to sign up and, and try it? And a bunch of them responded. I think we had maybe close to 80 or, or 90 coaches sign up in the first few months. I was like, okay, this might work here. To be a guest on your show? No, to, to actually be a, a subscribed member and pay for it. Oh, interesting. So it's like a private podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I thought, okay, I'll have coaches come on the podcast and just talk. And then from that, I'll figure out who's the most listened to or downloaded one and then invite them to come into the coach's corner. And that will be the paid subscription part. And so that way I have some free stuff that I can still promote. But then it goes back to trying to get to reoccurring revenue, which is goes back to my idea of how can I control my time more and leverage my time more and grow something without me having to grow my hours to keep up with it. Okay. This is the Ritter Sports Performance Podcast? Yes. Yeah. And so that that's the podcast that we, we've vamped up and we've recently kind of rebranded it to the Swim Coaches Base Podcast. So that swim coaches, if they're usually swim coaches, were the first podcast they have ever listened to. And so we're trying to make it easier for them to search and find us. You got to put those keywords right in the title. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so then we just have coaches come on. I would just look at the analytics. Who's the most listened to coach in the last few weeks? Invite them on to be in the coach's corner and just say, hey, let's just talk workouts for a couple of weeks here. Can you send me the workouts? And 
usually most of it was if the coaches are writing down their workouts or not, because some coaches don't. So that was kind of a hurdle with some coaches, but most coaches do write their workouts down on some level. And so whether it's, they're just, you know, taking pictures on their phone and I'm having to put that into a PDF or if they actually have it written out like on a word document or something. So it varied from coach to coach, but the whole point was the coaches that showed up to the summit originally were really enjoying that, okay, I'm getting continual education here. I'm seeing what other coaches are doing. And it's long enough that I get a sense of what they're doing, but it's not so long that to commit to being a coach is going to be like, oh, that's way too long. I'm not doing it for six months. you know. So I felt like a four-week, a month block was a good chunk and then enough variety as we're switching through coaches to kind of make it work. Okay. And so then you put that content, the coach's corner content behind a membership paywall. Yes. Okay. And that's called, today that's called The Hive. Yeah. So we recently rebranded it to make it even more encompassing. So it's not just the swimming workouts, but what are coaches doing on the technique side? How are they altering, changing strokes? And then the dryland side, what are they doing on the strength and conditioning, the athletic development, the flexibility, the mobility part of it? And so we've tried to combine it all and rebrand it a little bit. And that just happened in the last few months here. Oh, okay. So people are subscribing for access to other coaches, kind of like a community aspect to it. They're getting access to the workouts, training programs, and anything else that's behind the membership? No, yeah, that's it. And it's basically, I go back to, even on the summit, my idea was I can't be the expert because that has a very quick cap on my ability or expertise, right? Like I helped swimmers make it to the Olympic team, win gold medals, stuff like that. So it's not like I didn't know anything, but if I marketed as, hey, come see what Chris thinks, I felt like they could only get me so far. And so it was more thinking through, I can get to the best swim coaches in the world and have them talk to me and open up to me. And I bet I can go farther that way because then I have almost unlimited amount of coaches to go to and it can always be changing up. And so yeah, that's the kind of the idea with the hive and the podcast is I'm just the host. I'm just a facilitator here. I'm not the expert, even though I could probably, you know, talk to you a lot about swimming and, and give you some pretty good analysis and training techniques and stuff like that. But it was a conscious decision all along the way to not build as that. And that kind of has to take your ego out of it. And that can be a hard thing sometimes is if you're the one driving it, but on the other hand, you're not the hero, you're not the expert on it. It's a tricky balance sometimes. Yeah, you kind of moved from the original podcast, like you said, was you monologuing your specific expertise to kind of a facilitator role where it's like, yeah, I know enough to be dangerous, but really I want to showcase these other people's expertise. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'll use my expertise to have more engaging and quote unquote better conversations because hopefully I can have it at a higher level. And so I, I felt like that's where I could implore my intelligence and knowledge of the sport as opposed to come hear what I think, listen to me on the podcast, is I'll be able to have really good conversations because I am at least on the track of what most of the coaches are thinking or want to know. And so therefore, then we can get a lot more out of whatever interaction I'm going to have with a coach. Okay, so 100 people bought the VIP lifetime access to the summit. That was eight grand. What kind of timeline were you looking at between like that light bulb moment of like, well, crap, I didn't get any online clients from this, but I think I might have a completely new audience to serve. What's the timeline between that summit and launching the membership? I think it was about a, a month, no no more than two months. What? Okay. <laughs> really fast. I, I like to move fast, Nick. <laughs> I've never done anything slow before. <laughs> okay. What price point did you put on the membership? 
Yeah, so the original price point for the Coach's Corner was just $29 a month. And I think we had some kind of, you know, 20% or 15% discount if you wanted to pay up front for the year. But that was pretty much those two options to get you in the door. Do you remember what you used tech-wise to kind of host and gate that content? Yeah, so I had the WordPress site. And at that point, I think it was on version (laughs) 2.0 that I had helped build and, and create on the WordPress. And used Wishlist for the kind of gating of the content on my website, which is just a plugin that you can get to to work alongside WordPress. And then for the shopping cart, I use SamCart to be able to actually sell the products which connect to Stripe and my PayPal accounts. Okay. Same technology stack today or has that changed? No, yeah, we're actually on the same technology there. We're getting to the point where we're starting to explore some more ideas, but I feel like that's such a big jump. Like if we're going to build our own app and house everything there, like that's, it's such a big leap to go from what we're doing to that, that on some level, I, I'm fine just kind of riding out our systems as long as we can until it really feels like, okay, we need to, to switch. Because I feel like we've kind of maxed out whatever level we're at. And the next jump is going to be a pretty substantial one if we do make it. Okay. How many members are inside today? So we have about 250 coaches that are regularly subscribed. And we're at a nice, slow, steady growth rate up. We're still trying to work on like the churn aspects and really figure out how can we target members better to get them engaged by what kind of content we put out there. Yeah, that's always the the killer of the membership. It's like, hey, recurring revenue. And then like, well, I got a 40% churn or something. And well, I got to keep filling that bucket up. On that marketing front, what is working to continually find new coaches. It's, it's funny that you, it's like, well, I have an almost limit, unlimited number of coaches to sell to where other people are listening. Like, that sounds like a super niche market, but <laughs> what, what's working on the marketing front? Let, let's put it this way. Like with the coaches that I could go out and reach, like with the podcast, I put it out once a week. And right now today, I have over 200 coaches on a waiting list that we could reach out to and have on. And so, I mean, it's going to take years to get through that. And I'm getting all coaches all the time. And Globally, some of the there's like one or two big international coaches organizations, and they're you know probably anywhere between ten to maybe sixteen thousand coaches. So yes, I mean on, on the grand scale of things, it is a niche market, but I feel like we're doing it so well and so ahead of the curve on how we're delivering it technology wise that especially a lot of the young coaches, more in my age range bracket than you know the 60, 70, 80 year old coaches out there they're going to adapt this technology and we're going to be the way forward for their the rest of their coaching career. So as far as content-wise, we figured out, okay, what we're going to actually put in the hive, and this relies actually a lot more on me going to these specific sites, whether it's a college team or a club team, filming for a few days, interviewing all the staff, really getting a sense of what they're doing, and then putting it back in the hive is we'll essentially just cut up that content and release the the highlights, if you will. So a minute video on Instagram or a couple minute video on YouTube that is essentially from the content that's in the hive. And so if you like that content, obviously you're going to want to join the hive. So we're trying to figure out that cadence of, of how to do that. So the podcast is essentially interviewing your target customers, interviewing other swim coaches, targeting other swim coaching organizations and then looking at some high-performing teams and interviewing their staff. Yeah, and on the podcast, Nick, you know, we're approaching probably 250 episodes, I think, and I just ask basically the same eight questions each time. We've done a lot of work of trying to build out systems so that I can batch record them 
And we always have about a month of podcasts ahead of time recorded so we can be flexible and do stuff if we want to with scheduling and and special promotion or stuff like that. But I feel like I've adapted to be able to make each show different, even though it is the same eight questions. And so that's where I can use my skill set that I've learned is basically interacting with someone one-on-one and trying to pull out of them what makes them a good coach. Like, what are they really doing that's working? And let's have a conversation about that. And inevitably, every coach is going to be different when it comes to answering those questions. Yes, there'll be some similarities, but that's what kind of makes each show interesting and unique is that coach is essentially the hero of the episode. You know, how are they doing it? What struggles or hardships do they have as a swimmer or a coach that have made them what they are now? And how are they continuing to learn and develop as they go forward? Okay. Is that the the killer swim coaches base question? Like what makes you a successful coach? <laughs> that is one of the, the last questions, Jess. What is the number one thing that makes you a successful coach? And it's funny, some coaches will say, well, I don't know if I'm successful, <laughs> which is which is always a, a great response. Yeah, but that, that's actually one of the eight regular questions, Nick. Okay. Anything else that's working on the marketing front or on the podcast? Do you then plug the membership or like curious how you're converting listeners to customers? Most of the swim coaches that come on, they will provide one workout, so a single day's workout. And that will actually be behind an opt-in email. And so the hope is new listeners, new subscribers, they'll, oh, I'm interested in that coach's workout. It sounded like, cool, I want to check it out. And then they'll subscribe to that. And then they'll have a series of other emails offering them things like the Hive or even other products we have that might be specific to that. And so it's just trying to kind of build out systems like that. I want to try to have more social proof on the podcast. So we're working on reaching out to more of our longtime members, especially, and just getting them to document their experience and how we have helped them and then try to put that audio into the podcast. And so we're, we're always working on trying to just have more social proof out there. And that's definitely one of the things we're working on right now. Okay. I really like that. Hey, we want to try this guy's specific workout. And then the email autoresponder says, oh, by the way, you know, there's a whole lot more behind the membership. Yeah. And, and it's an easy ask for our guests too, right? Because it honestly gives the coach a chance to kind of talk a little bit about their specific training style or how they run things. And so when I record the podcast, I just cut that part out and that'll go to on the website only where you can only get to that by opting in. And so I've kind of figured that out where I can record the podcast all in one, but just chop certain parts out of it because I know that's kind of the honey that most coaches, they just want workouts. They want to see what are other coaches doing. And so we've identified the most valuable and a very easy thing for us to do to then help grow our subscribers and then hopefully them convert into purchasing something from us. Okay. Who are you using for the email service at this point? So we use ConvertKit and then we'll use lead pages for the opt-ins. Anything else that you found successful to grow this thing over the last couple of years? I think it goes back to, you have to make sure you're serving and listening to your audience because it goes back to the summit where I had a very specific goal and I didn't get one person for that goal, right? But it was still successful. And so for me to, in a sense, kind of have the humility to figure out, okay, well, I don't know maybe everything, or I don't know the the way to help specific people that I was going for, but these people showed up and they obviously like how I helped them. So maybe I'll go do this. And I guess being aware of what the audience wants and how they're responding to what you're putting out. And so 
if they're not responding to your content, you can say, well, they don't know what they're talking about. Or you kind of look at the mirror and say, am I presenting it the best way? Or am I really giving them stuff that's usable to them? And so just kind of being able to look at yourself in the mirror, I think is an important thing, especially as an entrepreneur. And you know, you're out there hustling and trying to make things happen. Have you stopped doing the in-person and online training to do the online business completely at this point? Or is it, what does your day look like these days? It was about probably a year and a half after the first global summit. I actually did a, a few other summits and really just tried to ramp up the coach's corner and things I was doing online. And it got to the point where I hadn't trained a class or trained an in-person client in a while. I had other coaches doing that. But yet at the same time, the online side of the business was, was far exceeding what in-person was bringing in, especially when you factor in the overhead costs. And so I just kind of made a hard decision. I was like, why am I continuing to have this headache and just more headspace go to something that's in person that does take way more of my time where I can't leverage myself as much as online? And so I actually closed the doors to my in-person gym and said, hey, you know, <laughs> the coaches that were training at that time, hey, you guys can, here's clients, you know, go for it and, and go be on your own. And <laughs> I wish I was only so lucky <laughs> to have that as a start <laughs> when I was a trainer. And so it was a little bit scary to kind of think, okay, I'm just online now. <laughs> this is the only way I'm really going to make money. But I don't think you can be successful with something like that until you're able to be at the point where you really can go all in. Now, at the start, I couldn't go all in. I still needed to have the income coming from the in-person. And that balance was definitely tricky to do for a few years. But then I felt like I got to a tipping point where I was like, I think I was just making excuses. Like I really could make that jump now. I think it was maybe just fear at that point holding you back. And so don't, don't do anything stupid. You know, you guys definitely have to look at finances if you're going to make a commitment like that. But I think there is a time where you do have to jump and, and just make sure that you've taken all the, all the calculations into consideration. Do you still sell the $10 ebook? <laughs> so that thing, it's interesting. I keep spawning that into more and more things actually. So I use the ebook as a basis to hold a two-day seminar where I taught, again, everything I know and kind of updated it a few years later. So we sold that. Tickets were a couple hundred dollars. It was a small, intimate group. And then we filmed that and packaged that into a very expansive online course for strength training. And that's been one of our best sellers. And now we'll actually use that to entice teams to train with us. So if teams come in and we will work with them and basically be a virtual assistant strength coach, is we'll pitch the coaches, hey, we're not only going to train you, but we're going to educate you and your staff. So as you being a part of our team and us training you, we're actually going to give you this for free so that we can educate you so you understand what we're doing and how. And so, yeah, that little ebook that could, it has spawned into many, many more things. And at this point, it is kind of just a part of that online package, that course. But yeah, it, it still keeps kind of kind of chugging along. Okay. So this is more on the swimmer side rather than the coacher coaching side. So it's like, okay, if I'm a swimmer, I can still I can still buy something from you. Oh yes, yes. And and we still work with a lot of swimmers all over the world, strength training through our app. We have both like an online group option, if you will, that's it's much more generic. It's not customized and then high-end custom programs, exactly what you need, updated, weekly communication with coaches, stuff like that. So yeah, we still definitely service the masters athletes. It's just, it seems the majority of our clientele is now more on the, the coach's side. Okay. Yeah, the majority of the revenue pie too? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. What's next for Ritter? Yeah, I ask myself that all the time too. Uh, 
I feel like it almost took us about two to three years to kind of figure it out, if you will. What are we going to do in this online space? How do we make it work? How do we make money? How do we build out the systems? And I feel like we've gotten to a point where we have kind of figured it out. And now it's just doubling down on what's working and seeing how influential can we be with helping other coaches especially with education. And like the cool part is now that I'm traveling a little bit more, going to more meets and events and stuff, coaches will come up to me all the time and say, Chris, I love the podcast. And so that's really cool to know that we're impacting coaches all over the country. And then it's cool to get LinkedIn messages or or messages through our website of international coaches that don't have the support that the national governing body does like in this country. And so we're basically it as far as those coaches getting education and trying to become better coaches and helping their swimmers. And so that's just really cool to know we're impacting people all around the world and that we have kind of figured it out. So now let's just keep going and see how many coaches we really can help. That's exciting to get those kind of testimonials and people, yeah, they run into you at the meets and say, hey, I listened to your show. It's, again, a super niche audience, but to establish authority in that space and kind of become the go-to hub of information and play connector between all these different coaches. I think that's a pretty cool place to be and a pretty cool business that you've built on top of it. Yeah, thanks, Nick. And I I would say on that point too, I, because I run really fast and I'll get distracted sometimes, is I didn't go deep for a while. I went wide and now we're really starting to go deep and like really just drive down into this niche. And so I think that that's a challenge too for entrepreneurs. I'm sure I'm not the only one that struggled with that, of thinking, you know, I'm just going to throw stuff up against the wall and see what works. And sometimes when you do that, you get distracted and you end up going really wide and an inch deep. And we just want to keep digging down now that we've figured out, okay, we know our audience, we know how to help them. How can we just keep doing it better and better? Well, you can check them out at RitterSP.com. Chris, thanks for joining me. Chris RitterSP on Instagram, if you have any direct questions for Chris. Cool business, cool example of you know, really going from one-to-one to one-to-many in kind of an accidental direction, accidental pivot, but excited to see what happened with it. So appreciate you joining me, and let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. Nick, I think the number one tip I would give is you need to serve your audience, keep listening to them, keep thinking about how you can provide value, and keep thinking about just how can you adapt with them. And listening and, and serving is just, it's got to be your most important thing and the thing you're always focused on, no matter how you're trying to grow your business. Do you have an example of how the membership has shifted in response to customer feedback? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like through what we've done now with the rebranding of the hype is we were going so long as two plus years, almost three years with the coaches corner. And I kind of felt coaches were getting overwhelmed, especially the newer ones that were joining and they didn't know where to start. It was just like, hey, here's all these coaches, go in (laughs) and try it. And so now with the Hive, we've really tried to be, okay, this is step one, go here, start here. Now that you've got this, now you can go explore these areas and almost making it the pathway more understandable. And that was kind of through just feedback we would get from members or frustrations. And so we've kind of put that into, and again, even though the coach's corner was working, it was not like at all, like it was failing or not working. And so that takes guts too, to feel like, okay, we're going to change something, even though it is working, but we think we could make it better. And it's actually because of direct member feedback for that. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. Again, RitterSP.com. Thanks so much for uh, joining me and we'll catch up with you soon. 
This edition of the Side Hustle Show is brought to you by FreshBooks.com. Here's side hustler turned full-time entrepreneur Grayson Bell on why he likes FreshBooks. What's up, Side Hustle Nation? This is Grayson from iMarkInteractive.com. I run a WordPress maintenance and support company that helps bloggers and site owners get started and run on WordPress. I've been using FreshBooks for a little bit over a year now, and it has made my business so much easier to run. I can bring all my expenses in automatically from PayPal, my credit cards, my bank account. I can send recurring invoices to my customers on a regular basis without having to think about it. The payment options are awesome. I've saved thousands with PayPal fees by using their PayPal for business setup. Their support is great. Their interface is easy to use. I've been a fan of FreshBooks and I'll continue to be a fan of FreshBooks. It's streamlined to help my business grow. Visit freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day free trial today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle for your free 30-day trial. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences with Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. All right, my top three takeaways from this call with Chris. Man, there were quite a few in this episode, but these were the ones that stood out to me. So my top three takeaways, number one, to make your customer the hero. This is something Chris has done really well and something I could probably do a better job of. You see me attempt it when I feature members of the community on the podcast or blog. But this chat with Chris has me thinking about what more I could do along those lines. This matches up really well with the story brand framework from Donald Miller, in which you position your target customer as the hero and your product or service as the guide that helps them reach their goals and avoid failure in that process. So think about what your customers really want and how you can help them get there, make your customers the hero. That was takeaway number one. Takeaway number two is to find your thousand true fans. You've probably heard of the thousand true fans theory by Kevin Kelly. If not, I'll link it up for you in the show notes for this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash swim. But to paraphrase, if you can find a thousand true fans, which Mr. Kelly defined as those people happy to spend a hundred dollars or more with you per year on your work, you've got a nice livelihood. You don't need to serve everyone, but if you can serve a thousand people exceptionally well, you'll be set. When Chris reached out with his results targeting only swim coaches, I was really impressed because I think it's a great example of a thousand true fans business. It's a big enough niche that there are organizations and groups and ways to get in front of that audience, but not so big that there's crazy levels of competition. I thought the pivot from targeting swimmers to targeting coaches was really interesting as well. Kind of a train the trainer approach, a smaller group but potentially an easier group to reach and to sell to. 
Could you apply that to your niche? Find your thousand true fans. Takeaway number three for me is to look for leverage. Ever since Chris's first online client, he's been looking for leverage in his business. And that's taken on a ton of different forms from his blog to the paid ebook to uh, group training, to hiring other trainers to work underneath him, to his podcast, to the virtual summit, to the membership model. Each step was about, okay, how can I amplify this message and material to reach more people with less of my own time? How can I use technology and systems and other people to decouple my hours from my income? I'm inspired by this episode and the evolution Chris has gone through because it shows how one area of interest or expertise can take on so many different business models. He's hit the trifecta here. He's sold a service, he sold a product, and he sold an audience in, in the form of the membership. Those are the big three business models I cover in the new Side Hustle book, which you can grab free on Kindle at sidehustlenation.com slash book if you're interested. should be free anyways. If it's not, send me a note. I'll get you a copy. But that's takeaway number three. Look for leverage. What do you think? Check it out sidehustlenation.com slash swim. There you'll find links to all the resources mentioned and you'll be able to download the free PDF highlight reel with all of Chris's top tips from the call as well. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen and I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.